Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, good morning again, everybody. How's everybody doing? Okay, you guys had Thanksgiving. How's everybody doing? Okay, you guys still in a food coma, or what's going on? Uh, Today we're going to, uh, and I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Um, Today we're going to talk about, it's our last last part of the second round of the book of Acts, the arrival part two. We'll talk about peace uh, and the panic. But first I want to go through uh, the verse I've been taking you week by week. Um, um, in verse, 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17, because I want you to kind of memorize a verse. We've been in this one, we'll be in it for a couple months. So you memorize it, really get it in your system. So I want everyone to say it out loud, those watching at home, I'm going to count to three. Please, everyone say it. One, two, three. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Now go back to verse 16 quickly. Remember, when it says all scripture is inspired by God, it literally means all scripture is what? God breathed. <sighs> scripture is God breathed. It says it's profitable. Profitable for teaching. Teaching is the doctrine. Basically, it tells us what is right. Now let's add the word reproof in there. Reproof literally means to tell a fault. Have you ever noticed when you read the Bible, it loves to point out your faults? Anyone ever noticed that so far? It's just really good at that, okay? So you could say it like this to make it simple, uh, profitable for teaching, to tell you what is right, for reproof, to tell you what's not right. And so let's leave it at that right there as we move on into this message today. How to have peace in the midst of panic or stress or worry or whatever we're going through. Now, at my house... um, when my, uh, when Olivia and I, uh, oh, and by the way, I didn't tell you last week that I became a granddad for the fifth time. I forgot to say that out loud, so, yeah. And so uh, I, I, I thought, it, I, decades I wanted a grandchild, never had one. And now they can't stop giving them to me, grandchild. And, and all that means is more money. Amen, grandparents? That's all it means. It just costs me more money. And so, um, but anyway, I got number five grandchild, uh, my daughter had her third girl. Can you believe that? All girls. And oh, I can't wait for their teenage years. That's going to be so much fun. But anyway, at my house, when, when we became empty nesters, I decided that um, I, wanted, uh, I wanted to secure my, ho- my home even more so from anyone that might break in or this and that because, you know, I don't think it's rocket science to look around and, to, and realize that society, culture is eroding morally. Anybody notice that at all besides me? There's just an erosion going on. This is not the world that I grew up in or some of us grew up in. It's just getting worse. And you know, my biblical uh, belief on that is that these are just crops. And they're crops because we have taken God out of everything possible. And when you take God out of everything possible, you take the seed of God out of everything. And so every generation, every crop is going to get a little bit morally worse than the, the previous one. Any amens on that one? And so it's, it's gotten that way. So I thought, 
You know, I got to secure my home more so for my wife, make sure, because she got really worried in the last three years as she saw all that was going on. I mean, it, it was worrisome. You're thinking, this is, this is insanity. This is pure insanity. This is like wild in the streets, Lord of the Flies. You put it all together. This is crazy, man. Anybody know what I mean by those things? Yeah. So it's insane. Uh, and so I'm going to secure my home. Uh, and by the way, didn't Jesus say that in the last days the love of many would grow cold? He said it would be this way. People wouldn't love each other. They'd pretty much hate each other. And we're watching it more and more. So why do I secure my house? From intruders. From intruders coming in, either hurting us or, or trying to steal something. But let me give you a wider picture on that. We all, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, whether you believe what I'm going to say about this or not, we all have a common enemy, and his name is what? His name is Satan, and he comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. And among many things he tries to steal, obviously, is our eternal life. He wants no one to come to Jesus. He wants no one to surrender their life to Jesus. That way, that person can spend eternity in hell apart from God, and eternity never ends. It doesn't go away. It just goes on and on. Now, <clears throat> so we have this common enemy, and if you don't believe there's a devil, just turn on the news. That's all you got to do because it'll show you the evidence that there really is some kind of spiritual being behind this insanity that's, that goes around in our world uh, out there. Now, with that said, the other, there's many other things he tries to steal from us, but one of the things the enemy sincerely, radically tries to take away from us is our peace. Would anyone agree? Boy, he goes after that, man. He wants to stress us out, worry us to the point that we have no more peace. Now, if you think about that, we serve Jesus. One of his titles is the Prince of? He's the Prince of Peace. And so if he's the Prince of Peace and I serve him and follow him, and one day he said, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Therefore, I should have peace in my life, correct? In fact, he even goes on to say in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. So I'm not just carrying peace. I'm a peace what? I'm a peacemaker, which means wherever I go, wherever I am, I don't, I'm not to bring strife. I'm not to bring arguments and violence and anger. I'm to bring peace. Now, is it possible to be at peace with everyone? No. Romans 12, 18 says, it depends on me, though, as a follower of Christ, to bring peace to situations. Now, the culture has it completely wrong, and because they've redefined everything, that's why, they're this, that's why it makes no sense. But you and I can have peace and still disagree with each other on certain issues. Amen? That's what grown-ups do, correct? Now, but the world out there, oh, no, if you don't agree with them, we're not. We're going to war on that one right there. So you see this whole transition of culture, of immaturity happening out in, in our culture. So we're to bring, bring peace. Now, here's what's crazy to me. Jesus, did he go through stressful times? You better believe it. In the garden, it's described that it said he was, he was very sad, he was sorrowful, and he was grieved to the point of death. So he's got stress in his situation. Rightly so, he's about to die for humanity. But yet in the same breath, we find the writer of Hebrews, we don't know who that is, the writer, but he writes that above Jesus going to the cross, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. So Jesus carries a joy as he's heading toward the cross, 
even though he's got stress and worry in his life because of that cross. Isn't that crazy? That he's carrying these two things going on. And that pretty much describes our life at times. Amen to that one? Amen to that one. And so we see Jesus and struggling with this. So we're going to look at some stuff in Acts 12. And Acts 12 is where we're going today. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take you through 16 verses of Acts 12. I'll do commentary to give you background. Then I'm going to give you two points. Point one, we'll have not much to do with our theme today, but it's a very important section of 12, and I think I need to bring it out. Point two, we'll carry three bullet points in point two, and that will be the crux of our message on peace. And then we're going to bring you back after that, and we're going to go to the Sermon on the Mount again, and look what Jesus said on how to have peace when you are in the midst of worry. Sound like a plan? Okay, let's do it. Here we go. Acts 12. Here we go. 16 verses, and I'll do commentary. Oops, I got to get this. I should get to Acts 12 myself. In Acts chapter 12, it says this. Now about that time, Herod the king laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them. Now, stop. Um, Herod is a title. If you read the word Herod and you've heard the word Herod, it's not the same Herod you're always reading about. This Herod is Herod Agrippa I. This guy is the grandson. Herod is just a title. He's the grandson of Herod the Great, the one who murdered all the baby boys at the time of Jesus' birth, age, age two and under. So that's his granddad who did that. His uncle, Herod Antipas, is the one who had John the Baptist beheaded. So now you see he's got like a kind of crazy family. Amen to that one right there? Now, his background, his lineage, he, um, he, on, his, on his grandfather's side, Herod the Great, he's Idumean, comes from the line of Esau. On his mother's side, he comes from the line of, he comes from the descendant of the Maccabeans. They're the ones who fought back the crazy Antiochus Epiphanes IV. You find him in Daniel. As Daniel prophetically speaks about him, he would come 400 and some years later, but it happened in 167 BC. But she's descendant of the Maccabeans, Jewish. So this kid, this uh, Herod Agrippa I, we find in verse 1, he's coming from one line of Edomian, the other line he's Jewish. Now, when he's a young boy, they ship him off. They get him out of his family because his family is psycho. His grandfather murders many of his own kids, Herod the Great, murders wives, murders his mother-in-law. He's just a psycho guy. So they got to get the kid away because grandfather is very, very paranoid about his position. Now, when they ship this boy off, this Herod Agrippa I, he meets up and becomes childhood friends with a guy by the name of Caligula. Has anyone ever heard that name? Caligula is a psycho. If, his family, if this guy's family was psycho, he's meeting up with a real psycho, even worse than that. Caligula, when eventually rises to the highest power in, in Rome, and he's so he's just crazy. He, uh, he appoints his horse to be in the Roman council. He even wants to marry his horse. That's how crazy he is. Now, when he rises up, he decides to put Herod Agrippa in power as king of Judea. And so now we find this guy in power coming through all these ranks right there. Now, verse 2. And he had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. Now, this James, who's the brother of John, he's one of the original 12 apostles. Now we find 
that the first of the apostles are martyred, and that is James. He's either cut in half or beheaded. He's not the first martyr of the church. Who was the first martyr? Stephen. This is the first of the disciple apostles, the 12, to be martyred for his faith. So now we find this guy is killed. Now, verse 3. When he saw that it pleased the Jews, very important, that's a very important statement, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. He's going to go after another church guy. Look, Jews are getting all happy about this. Now, it was during the days of unleavened bread. When he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover, say Passover, very important in the story, to bring him out before the people. Now, <clears throat> so he, now he sees the Jewish people are really happy about Stephen, the Christian, the church guy, being murdered for his faith. So he, he goes, I'm going to do some more of this. I'm going to get Peter. I'm going to arrest this guy. We're going to kill this guy too. So he throws uh, Peter into jail to four squads of soldiers. We'll see in a second, but I'll describe it now. There are four squads of four how this would work. They're each on a shift every six hours. Two would guard the door. One is chained to Peter's right side. The other soldier is chained to Peter's left side. They don't want him to escape. Why? Has Peter escaped before from jail? Yes, he had a jail break before. Remember in Acts chapter 5, he got away. So they're thinking, this guy's like Houdini, man. He's just, he breaks out. So we're not going to let this guy get out this time. Now, verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God. So he's in prison, and now the church people are holding a prayer meeting all night long, and they're praying fervently, which means in agony. They're really going for it. Verse 6. On the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping. Huh, they're going to kill Peter, but Peter's sleeping between the two soldiers, bound with two chains, and bars in front of the door. Two of them there. We're watching over the prison. Verse 7. And behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared, and a light shone in the cell, and he struck Peter's side and woke him up, saying, Get up quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. He is so asleep that he's got a, the angel. Hey, wake up. Wake up. Because he's just, he's sound asleep, you know, and he's going to die in the morning. We'll go back to that in a second. Verse 8. And the angel said to him, Gird yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and continued to follow. And he did not know that what was being done by the angel was real. He thinks he's like sleepwalking or something, but thought he was seeing a vision. Verse 10. When they had passed the first and second guard, so they're walking right by the guards, guys. Um, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city, which opened for them by itself. And they went out and went along one street. And immediately the angel departed from him. So the angel gets them out, opens the gate, gets in the city, and the angel departs. Verse 11. When Peter came to himself, in other words, he's like, okay, I, I really am awake. This is really happening. He said, now I know for sure that the Lord has sent forth his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all uh, that the Jewish people were expecting. Verse 12. And when he realized this, here comes the, the funny part. He went to the house of Mary, 
the mother of John, this is John, John Mark, you'll see, who was also called Mark, Mark's the writer of the Gospel of Mark, this is that guy, this is his mother's house, where many were gathered together and were praying. He, Peter goes to the prayer meeting. They're praying for him to be released. Now watch. When he knocked at the door of the, uh, of the gate, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice, it's me, Peter. Because of her joy, she goes, it's Peter. We're, pray we're praying for him. She, she did not open the gate. She leaves him outside. But ran in, announced every, every Peter standing in front of the gate. Everybody, I know you're praying for Peter, but he's here. Watch what they say. They said to her, you are out of your mind. Real prayer faith, right? Right there. <laughs> but she kept insisting that it was so. They kept saying, it is his angel. Let me read this in verse 16. But Peter continued knocking. And when they opened the door, they saw him and were amazed. Let me tell you what I love about that end. Don't you love that the Bible shows the true humanity and flaws of people? It comes to the, it's me, Peter. She goes, hey, Peter's at the door. Can't be, we're praying for him. <laughs> right? It's like when God answers prayers, it's sometimes like, no, that can't be, yeah, it can't, uh, no, it's, no. Uh, you know what the other part I like? Is, they go, no, it's not Peter, it's his what? It's almost like they're saying, come on, you know, it's like they, what do they see angels every other day? What's going on? Like that's the fourth angel this week. It's his angel, you know. It can't be Peter. I love stuff like that because it just shows the humanity of people. It doesn't pull punches when it shows where people's faith failings happen, things like that. Now, here we go. Two points. Second point's the big point, but the first one's very important. Number one in your notes. Hope you're taking notes. And that is this. Never take your freedom to worship God for granted. Would anyone say amen to that? Never take it for granted. I'm going to read verse 1 through 4 again, very quickly, just so you can see the players again in the story as I give you information on each one. Now, about that time, Herod the king laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them. So now we have Herod. And he had James. Oh, now we have James. He's a church person. Brother of John, put to death with a sword, kills a church person. When he saw that it pleased the Jews, oh, the Jewish people, non-born again people, non-Christian people, they're happy. Oh, you killed James. We're, we're happy because we want that stomped out. He proceeded to arrest Peter also. Let's get another one of those church people. Let's arrest, let's kill another one. Also, now it was during the days of unleavened bread. When he had seized him, he put him in prison delivering him four squads of soldiers to guard him intending after the Passover so it's Passover time to bring him out before the people okay let, let, let's break this whole thing down question what is Herod he's a politician he's the government isn't he you better believe he is what is James who has been murdered what is he He's you and me. He's a Christian. He's a church person. Huh. The killing, they kill a worshiper of Jesus. Who's happy about it? Who's happy about it? The Jews are the non-born again Jews. Now, I want you to think. Listen, because this is a repeated thing in history, and it's repeating again. The early church was first persecuted 
by Jewish people, it was religious persecution, was it not? Now there is a shift. Now you're seeing something different that the writer Luke is telling you and I as church people, look at what's going on here. I don't think he could even understand the ramification in the future. But now it moves from religious persecution, now it becomes Roman government persecution. Does it not? Now it's different. Now it moves from just religious persecution to now the government is persecuted. This is political discrimination, guys, is exactly what it is. The ruler, the politician, the government, Herod Agrippa I, he sees, I murdered James. Oh, this group of people, the Jews, they like that. Huh, they're voters. I'm going to give them some more of that. So I'm going to arrest Peter too. I'm going to do the same. That's interesting to me. In order to gain more popularity, Herod Agrippa is going to go with this group of voters and we're going to go after these church people. We're going to start killing them one at a time. It's always fascinating to me because I have read up on how Hitler came to power before the Third Reich, before you know he took, seized the, the, the top position in Germany. One of the things that he had to do, and you will always, 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 always see this in an evil, corrupt leader. They have to vilify somebody. Anyone ever notice that? They have to vilify a group. Who did Hitler vilify? The Jews. He had to make somebody the dangerous enemy. He had to do it. And so now we see it again here. We're way before Hitler. He sees, oh, we're going to vilify these born-again Christians, these church people. Oh, government here is now persecuting the Christians. This has been going on and on and on and on. And in the last century, it got really, really bad in many parts of the world. I talk to missionaries. I get the firsthand information from some of them. I read about these things. It's happening in so many parts of the world where they're going after the Christians. And in my mind, as I watch things in my own country, I see this thing inching forward more and more and more. Anybody? It's inching that way. I don't think it's taken big strides. I mean, recently it's gotten some pretty big strides, but I think it's inching that way. You know that Jesus warned us? He told the disciples this would happen, which means he's telling us it would happen. And he's saying, look, if, the, if they hated me, they're going to what? They're going to hate you. Why would he say, you're going to be brought before governors and kings for my name's sake? He mentions governors and kings. Why does he do these things? Go back and read what he said. He's given us a warning of what's coming, of what this evil, you know, what evil leaders would like to do to Christians. Now, question, verse four, what time of year is it? Say it again, what? Ah, Passover, very important. Passover. What did Passover, there's multiple things, but we know primarily Passover time, night before the Israelites were going to be delivered from Egypt, the night before they're having Passover meal. Now, do you remember one of the main ideas or things that God put forth in that Passover through Moses? It was religious liberty to worship God according to a person's, a person's conscience. You know how I know that? the Bible 
When Moses gets to Pharaoh and he stands face to face with the most powerful man in the world who in fact Pharaoh himself thinks he himself is a god. And Moses looks at Pharaoh right there and he says to him, he says, thus saith the Lord. In other words, I got a message from God for him. And Pharaoh's like, God, I'm God. Moses says, thus saith the Lord, let my people go that they may go and worship me. Does Pharaoh like that idea? Will he let them go? Oh, no. He puts conditions. Oh, I'll let you do this, 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 but I'm not going to do that. And Moses says, no, we're not compromising that. You don't understand, Pharaoh. No, you're not going to put conditions and limitations on our worship of God. We're going to worship God, and that's just what it is. And eventually, they got to worship God. Now, you know, now you come to Acts. This is like 1,400 and some years later, and you've got to repeat, and it's during the same season. It's during Passover. They're going to try to stop these Christians from worshiping God. Let's kill them. Let's put them out. Let's take them one at a time, because everybody's liking that one right there. This is great. Here's what's fascinating to me. The Jews at that time who were, who were not for Jesus or this Christianity stuff, they looked at it as a cult-type religion. We got to snuff it out. What... Think of what they're doing. They want to stop the Christians from worshiping God. What's interesting is, what did people try through history, try to stop the Jews from doing? Worship God. It's the very thing. It's the same thing. I find that fascinating because we all have a little bit of that in us, don't we? The very thing we accuse somebody else of, we're doing the same thing. The very same thing. And we got to be careful with stuff like that. Because we can get very self-righteous in ourselves and think, oh, everything I'm doing is right. Not everything you're doing is right, Jim. So we've got to be real careful with things like that. Now, the point, though, is this. Never, ever take your freedom to worship God for granted. They, because all through history proves otherwise. You cannot take it for granted. Now, let's move on. Let's get to this, this idea of peace. Here we go. God gives peace, number two, right? Say yes. yes. Question is how? How does God give me peace? You know? Well, I'm gonna give you three bullet points. I have peace, first bullet point, through the prayers of others. It's through the prayers of others. Now look at verse five again. It says, so Peter was kept in the prison, but prayer for him was being made, how? Fervently by the church to God. Huh. Now, <clears throat> Now we have people praying for Peter. Peter's in prison. They're going to kill him in the morning. Here's something I don't understand. I've seen it a few times. I don't see it all the time. But I don't understand when people, Christians, are going through something and they want no one to know. I don't want anybody to know. I don't want any... Guys, if you want no one to know, then you want no one to pray. If I'm going through something, I want a lot of people to know because I want a lot of people to pray. Any amens out there? I mean, I want you, man, start praying for me right now. They're praying all night long, prayer meeting, and they're praying fervently. They're praying with passion, man, for Peter to get out. And we already know Peter's going to get out. So that's the first thing. You want peace? Get people to pray for you. Have them praying for your situation. The second bullet point is this. We have peace through the word of God. Through the word of God. Now, question, is Peter going to be executed in the morning? Yes. What's he doing currently? Sleeping. Has anyone noticed 
that Peter has a habit of falling asleep in a lot of places. <laughs> Have you noticed that? He falls asleep at the Mount of Transfiguration before it happens. He's like, well, nothing happened. I'm going to fall asleep. He falls asleep. Where else did he fall asleep? Garden of Gethsemane. Now, that was disobedience because Jesus said, stay awake with me. Okay, he's out. And then he falls asleep right here. Why? Because he's totally at peace. But they're going to kill you in the morning. Well, I'm totally at peace. Which leads me to a question. How many of you can sleep anywhere? I mean, you can fall asleep. Raise your hand. I don't want to know. Yeah, I've seen you in this room do that. Okay. <laughs> so I make sure you make sure you know. I, I, I see you guys. Here. Okay. <clears throat> now, how many of you can sleep through anything? Oh, it's like a seven point three on the Richter scale. Oh, it didn't even budge me. You know. Okay, you can sleep through anything. Okay. Okay, we get that. Okay. Now, <clears throat> question. How can Peter be sleeping when in the morning, because already, they've already killed James, they're going to behead me too. How in the world can he be sleeping? How can he have any peace whatsoever in his life? Well, find it in John chapter 21. Something Jesus told him earlier, in his, a few years earlier. Now, <clears throat> in John 21, let's go back in time. You have your Bible? You can turn there. <clears throat> in John 21 this is when Jesus has met the disciples on the Sea of Galilee Peter's denied him already three times now it's after the resurrection he's going to ask Peter the three times Peter do you love me the whole shot right now watch chapter 21 18 and 19 it says this this is what Jesus says to Peter truly truly I say to you when you were younger you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hand, hands, and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Verse 19. Now this he, Jesus said, signifying by what kind of? Louder? Death. He would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me you know the first words Jesus spoke to Peter were follow me the last words were follow me never forget that that's true for you and I now <clears throat> Peter's asleep Peter's so sound asleep that when the angel comes remember wake up could you wake up he's sound he's got peace but why because what Jesus told him the word of God Jesus is God in the flesh the word of God came to Peter and Jesus told him this he said look when you're young, you're going to do what you want to do, go where you want to go. You're going to do all that, man. But when you're old, they're going to gird you up. And they're going to take you where you don't want to go. Follow me. What did Jesus tell Peter about his life in that prophetic statement? Louder? He's going to leave you to be an old man. So it just makes sense that old Peter is lying there sound asleep in the cell they're going to supposedly kill him in the morning so in my mind he's thinking to himself before he sleeps he puts on Spotify you know repeating saying you're still a young man baby 
Yeah, you're scared. I get it. Okay. First service was too. They would go, ooh, ooh. He's thinking, I'm still a young man. There's just no way I'm going to die in the morning. Jesus said that. He told me, so therefore, guess what? I go to sleep, man. The word of God to me is this, and I'm going to trust God's word over what anybody feels or thinks. Amen? Let me tell you how it works. This is really how it works, so you get a kind of a glimpse of it. Now, my son, Nathan, very com- my whole family basically competitive, but Nathan's probably the worst. If you play him in any, anything, anything, I don't care, charades, whatever, he has this line, and he's going to tell you the line, he goes, oh, I'm in your head, I'm in your head. <laughs> and it's like, you ain't in nobody's head, okay? Oh, uh, that proves I'm in your head. <laughs> and if you ever heard him laugh, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's ridiculous, you know. It's like, but, you know, I'm, I'm in your head. But he's like, I'm in your head, I'm in your head. And he tries to get in your head, okay? So, um, let me take you back in time. I was like 20 or 20, I don't know, 20, 21. And my parents had a, a ping pong table in the backyard, and they had this separate part of the house in the backyard, and out behind that, a little patio there, and a ping pong table with lights. And me and one of my friends, his last name, Coslet, we call him Cos. This is going back, uh, it was like, I was 20, 20, it was like 15 years ago. But, you know, it was like... <laughs> so we played ping pong many, many nights. For, uh, for probably on and off for two years in all that time we played and he's probably watching again the service cause he never beat me once not once you know how good that feels <laughs> he had plenty of chances to beat me he'd be up 20 to 15 many times and you know if you're up 20 15 in ping pong you're, you're right there man now, I was pretty good. I wouldn't, I'm no professional at it, but he'd get up 2015, and then I would start saying, oh, don't get nervous. Oh, you might win one. Oh, I hope you don't lose. And I start getting in his what? I'm gonna get in his head. And you could just see it happen. And he starts to tighten up, and he'd he start to miss shots, and then I'd win like 22-20 or 23-20, because you gotta win by two, right? And he'd be so mad that he lost again. And whenever we get together after 40 years, I always bring it up. Because it's still fun to bring it up. Now, what's the problem? It's his problem, it's your problem, and my problem when it comes to peace. Satan wants to get in our head, does he not? Does he not? And he wants to ping pong back and forth. This God's truth, Satan's lies. God's truth, Satan. Which one are you going to believe? Which one are you going to go with? It's, it's a ping pong match, is it not? And so you got to recognize God. Why do you think I say, read the word, study the word, every chance you can, wash it clean, get it in there so you know the truth of God's word. It brings peace in the midst of all this stuff that's going on. Any amens on that? But you're not going to go and start reading it, are you? Praise the Lord out there. Good for you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, the third thing is this, and that is we get peace by abiding in places of peace. That's what you're doing here. Look at verse 12. Peter has now come out of jail. Watch what he does, verse 12. And when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark, where many were gathered together and were what? Praying. He goes, he gets out, he goes straight to what? The prayer meeting. And once he's there, it turns into a fellowship. Fellowship. 
Am I right? He's hanging out, plays a beat. You know, it just drives me crazy. I just, sometimes you people drive me crazy. No, I'm not you people, other people. Okay, you guys are nice, okay. But it's just like, and I'll always do it because you're a shepherd and you do it. People will come to church. They've been gone for months or years ago. Pray for me, pray for me. My life is this and that. I haven't seen them in years. I go, yeah, absolutely. Tell me what's going on there. I pray for them and, and then, yeah, thank you. Next week, pray for, pray. And then after life gets better, guess what? They're gone, man. They're just gone. I could have told you because I've seen it too many times. Peter's life gets better and he goes straight to the fellowship. He goes straight to church. He goes straight with other believers. He doesn't sit there, meet, meet, bye. Like too many Christians do. You want peace? That's the way you get it. Now, I'm going to try to tie it all together. At least the last two bullet points. Turn in your Bibles. Hopefully you have your Bibles. Matthew 6. Now watch what Jesus says. In Matthew 6, we're going to look at a peace chapter in the, on the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 6. <clears throat> now watch this. I'm going to connect this to the second and the third bullet point of chapter 2. As we go. Now, <clears throat> here we go. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life. That's nice, huh? Ah, don't worry, guys. As to, now, but Jesus continues. He says, as to what you will eat, <clears throat> and by the way, when you use the word worry, look up at me. It's the idea of your mind being pulled apart. Isn't that wild? That's stress, man. It's like ping pong back and forth. As to what you will eat, what you will drink, nor for your body, as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? In other words, the basic stuff that we think about all the time. And this was big, this was big to them. So look what he says now in verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. Whoa, look at birds. That they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? Okay, what did he just do right here? He says, look at the birds. You're worried? You're stressed? Okay, I, gotta go. I want you to go outside and look at birds. Now, have you ever looked at birds? Have you ever seen a bird up on a wire and like, that guy looks stressed out? <laughs> You've never seen a stressed out bird, have you? I, I've, never seen, I've never seen one going, hey, buddy, can you spare some water over here, buddy? I've never seen it. Now, now these birds, he says, look at them. He says, because God supplies everything they need. Now, do they have to, God puts it out there, they have to go get it, don't they? You just don't give it to them. They got to go get it. But it's out there. But God takes care of them. Now, think about this. Now, think, 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 think. This is a, I'm going to simplify this one for you. In verse 25, worry, is that an emotion? Verse 26, Jesus' words, is that truth? Yes. Truth affects emotions. Repeat after me. Truth affects emotion. Say it again. Truth affects emotion. One more time to feel good. Truth affects emotions. At least it should, huh? It should. This truth of God's word, it should. When you make this the thing. Verse 27. And who of you by being worried can add a single hour to his life? Does worry add anything to our lives? Does it say, I'm going to worry so I can live 10 more years? No. 
There's nothing good that comes out of it. And why are you worried about clothing? Observe. Remember, clothing for them, that's a big, big deal. You know, they don't have big walk-in closets, guys. You know, as you sit there, look at your closet, you go, I have nothing to wear. Oh, yeah, you have a thousand things to wear. That's not the way for them, okay? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Now he's telling, look at the flowers. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. Solomon, richest man that ever lived. And I'm sure he had some cool threads. And he says, not even Solomon is dressed like those flowers that I create out there. Verse 30. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? God will take care of you. Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? In other words, stop the negative self-talk. What am I going to do? I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. Stop it. Satan can't read your mind, but he can sure hear your words, can't he? Can't he? So stop it. Don't give him any more ammo. Because once you go, I don't know what's going to happen, he's just wasting me. Yeah, that's right. I don't know what's going to happen either. You know? 32. For the Gentiles, non-Jews, because he's speaking to Jews specifically right here. For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Stop, stop. I got to say something. It took me three decades at least. And one day I'm reading this section and, re- and it just hit me. It hit me like a ton of bricks. Everything, what he's saying here? It's a father issue. You look back in the chat, look back at verse 26. Your father, your father does this. And now he says, your father knows. Gosh, this is why so many people have a hard time with God or coming to God because father issues, no dad present in the home or what happened here, this and that. So they look at heavenly father like they look at the earthly father. It's not fair to heavenly father look at him like your earthly father who wasn't possibly there. Does that make sense? There's a problem in America. It's a problem in America. It's a father issue. Verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Uh. Uh. If point two was, you know, look at the birds, or bullet point two, look at the birds, that's God's word to you. Then bullet point three is verse 33. Hang out in places of peace. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first. Hang out with God. Look what he's saying here. In verse 33. Watch me. If I seek God, then what happens to things? What do the things do? They follow me. If I seek God first, if I make God number one, if he's the place I abide in. But if God's here and I say, God, no, I'm going to go after stuff and things. I'm going to make that first. What does God do? Does he come after me? No. I say, go have at it then, man. Go ahead. See what happens. Go ahead. Make stuff number one. Go ahead. Go ahead. And watch what happens. They'll start to crumble a little at a time in your life. You'll see little cracks and stuff like that. But you've got to make God the abiding place, the place, the fellowship where God is with people. That's got to be number one in your life. 
Now you put all these things together and you get peace. Now here's what I want to do very quickly. Stand up with me. Stand up. And I'm going to do it quick because I'm... How do I go much so much longer in second service? Could somebody answer that question for me? Because what? Because you guys are awesome? Works for me, man. I'll tell the staff that, okay? Um, But if you need peace in your life just this season, come around the altar very quickly. I'm just going to pray for you. Just come on down quickly. It's the last thing we're going to do. Come on down. I'm going to ask the rest of you, please, just by show of unity, just kind of put your hand out like this toward them, like you're laying hands on them. And I'm going to pray. Father, Father, these are your kids. Lord, I don't, I'm not just going to ask that their circumstances would get better. Obviously, we want them to get better. But that's not the issue. The issue is I can have peace in the middle of whatever circumstance because I have a Father in heaven who loves me, knows what I need, could take care of me. I just got to seek Him, make Him number one. It's just that simple. I got to dwell where He dwells. I got to abide where He abides. And then He'll he'll do his, His part. And that's what I pray for my friends here that there would be an abiding, a trusting of God's word. And then they can have that peace that surpasses all understanding. The peace that you give to us, not as the world gives. Circumstances, friends, I pray they change for you, but they may not. They haven't always changed for me. Some of them took a long time, but in the middle of it, in the middle of it, I can have peace. And I pray God's peace upon you. I pray that ping pong in the mind, you eliminate the other player and you just have Jesus' words in your head. Become students of the Bible. It's not an easy discipline, but you can do it. And I thank you, God, that you give us peace. Thank you, Jesus. You're the Prince of Peace. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. very quick if you need prayer for anything my left or right they're there for you would you all please repeat after me with gusto here we go Lord keep me outward focused okay a little better okay let's start again Lord keep me outward focused and fill me with your spirit give me the boldness to share the gospel with others open up opportunities to minister outside the church because I see what I'm looking for and make me into a generous person like you. Hey, God bless you guys. Have a great, great day. May God's peace be upon you. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCCNorco or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.